Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. On today's podcast, we are talking about deliverance and disciple making. Questions like, when do you pray for someone for deliverance, especially if there's someone from a Hindu, Buddhist, or Muslim background? We'll also talk about how to go about praying, how to protect yourself as you pray for them from demonic attack or any kind of backlash, and other questions related to this. All right, let's dive in. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Are frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls. And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. So let's start in with this first question, which came in from a worker who has been working in a country in Asia that is mostly made up of Buddhist people. And several of these Buddhist young people have come to the Lord. They've received Jesus. Um, but there's been some issues with deliverance and a need for deliverance, and they've prayed for some and then uh, had issues where recurring um, oppression or different kind of demonic activities been taking place. So this question came up in a coaching call, and I thought it's a wonderful thing for us to talk about today. So when do you pray for deliverance? Well, there's two options, really, and I'm not sure there's a right or wrong answer to this. Um, I think it's more both and and right or wrong, but you can either pray for deliverance um, preventatively in a sense, assuming that if they are someone who's grown up in a Buddhist, Hindu, or Muslim background, that there have been demonic attachments from idol worship or from the wearing of amulets or things like that. You can assume that there probably is some demonic influence that has attached itself in this person's life. And you can be preventative and just go ahead and take action to pray those things off of them and pray a cleansing prayer and pray deliverance over them as a routine kind of thing you do when people come to Christ. Um, Or you can wait for some form of manifestation to happen and then address it at that point. So, but most likely, um, and this is one thing that I just wanted to communicate and kind of normalize for you. Most likely, if people have been involved in uh, anything to do with with New Age 
anything to do with Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam. Um, and even for many who are in the West, I see um, some from the West. I see Dana and Jim there. Good to see you guys. Others, um, even for people in the West, um, with the increasing um, involvement with, with yoga as exercise, some yoga teachers, maybe not all, but some instructors would be bringing in things that have Hindu overtones. And um, so I would say more and more deliverance needs to be normalized. It doesn't have to be a big, huge knockdown, shakeout fight with a demon, you know, where we shout and yell and a bunch of people come around them and pray really loud prayers and tongues for hours and hours. It doesn't have to be like that, right? It can be kind of um, gentle. But more and more, I am under the opinion that we need to take proactive you know, proactive measures with people we are discipling to pray cleansing prayers over them and encourage them to go through a process of renouncing anything that they may have done that has invited uh, the attachment or the involvement of demonic spirits or demonic strongholds into their life. And just preventatively making this quite, you know, simple and uh, not a big deal, but something that becomes quite normative. And, you know, we find in the New Testament, and I just wanted to, to read um, a couple of passages to remind us, you know, in the New Testament, it was, it was kind of normal, right? It was normative. Um, Jesus sent his disciples out. He told them, what do you do? Go in Luke chapter 9 and 10. He said, go heal the sick, cast out demons, proclaim the kingdom of God is here. Right. So it, it was normative for a disciple of Jesus to walk in the authority they have to deal with demonic spirits. Right. But for many of us today, it's become specialized. It's become something that people who are really, you know, expert exorcists, you know, or <laughs> they're super spiritual. They're the people we call when we have to deal with a demonic issue. Um, I think that that needs to change, right? And we need to empower and equip every believer to walk in the authority that Jesus has given us to um, take authority over demonic spirits and demonic strongholds that are around them. Um, and especially if you're working with Buddhist, um, Muslims or Hindu background um, people who are coming to faith, uh, even more so, I would say, in that context. So let me read a scripture, and this is Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 2. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, right? So Jesus, when he sent those first 12 out and he, you know, he had modeled for them, he had cast out demons in front of them, and now he's sending them out and he says, go and go in my power, go in my authority uh, to do this work of driving out demons and curing diseases, healing the sick. It is the uh, the commission and the authority that I think not only those 12, but each one of us, as it's been handed down to us, this authority to set people free. And um, again, let's try to find ways that we can normalize this rather than it being a specialized ministry um, of deliverance. 
we don't actually find it as a spiritual gift. We find the gift of discernment in scripture, but we don't find the gift of deliverance as a spiritual gift. Why? Because it's a gift and an authority that every believer who uh, has the power of the Holy Spirit in them can walk in. So how do you go about setting someone free? Um, whether it be when, when there's a demon manifesting itself in an overt way, maybe the person falls on the floor, begins to shake or foam at the mouth. And I've certainly dealt with all of those situations um, before. Or you are noticing something in their life where you just, they just can't seem to get breakthrough. Um, there's often a demon, demon that's involved in that. And you want to take authority over that and help them get to a place of freedom. So how do you do that? How do you go about that? Um, I want to simplify again um, and just say that use the name of Jesus. Pray with authority. Um, I like uh, my preference and perhaps partly my personality is to go with a really low key kind of approach. Um, you don't want to make it some big, hairy, scary thing that they're, you know, they're really worried about or make a big deal out of it. But just say, you know, uh, a lot of times when people are coming from a background like yours, um, a lot of people who I know have needed to pray to ask Jesus to set them free and have needed someone to also pray over them for freedom and cleansing from demonic spirits that have um, attached themselves in their life. Um, let me just uh, pause here a moment and talk about the difference between attachment and possession. Okay, so this is something that when, you know, I went through Bible school and I learned like a good evangelical Christian that Christians could not be filled with the Holy Spirit and also be demon possessed, right? So if you were a Christian and you had prayed to receive Jesus, then uh, the possibility of demonic possession was not there, right? That was the theology, theological framework that I learned in Bible college and, and came into things. And maybe some of you are in that position. Um, but in reality, <laughs> when we went to Nepal and we started interacting with people who were coming out of Tibetan Buddhist backgrounds, coming out of Hindu backgrounds, we found that even after people had prayed the sinner's prayer, there very often were, was demonic involvement in their life. And I just had to let go of needing to put it in a box, right? And call it possession or call it oppression, right? And I had to let go of that theological box and say, okay, this is the reality of what we're facing in trying to serve and help this person be discipled into greater authority and walking in freedom. And so whether we call it oppression or whether we call it possession, certainly if a person is manifesting, you know, classically, we would call that possession. But what if they've already prayed a sinner's prayer? You know, then we get all confused in our head. Forget about worrying about the theological box and just help the person get free. Okay. Are you, are you with me? What do you guys think? Give me some feedback on that. But that's what we needed to do. We just needed to help the person get free. And how did we do that? We did that by simply laying our hands on them and praying in the name of Jesus and commanding the evil spirit to go in Jesus name. 
Um, first of all, you need to understand and know and be confident of the authority you do have in Jesus' name. And I've told a lot of people it's easier to cast out a demon from, you know, in my experience than it is to see someone healed, right? And now some, some healings do involve demonic things as well. But not every sickness is caused by a demon, right? But when there's a clearly manifesting demon, cast it out in Jesus' name. Jesus has given you authority to do that. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a big scary thing. It's just using the name of Jesus and saying, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave this person. In the name of Jesus, I command you to go. Um, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus and we command that you leave, right? So when there's a, an overt manifestation, take authority in the name of Jesus, pray that prayer. Now, Jesus did say that there are some demonic oppressions and possession, you know, dem demonic influences that only come out through prayer and fasting. So if you are praying a prayer of deliverance over them, there's a couple other things that I would do. One is I would I would spend some time in fasting prayer and continue to pray prayers of deliverance over them. The next thing I would do is I would ask them some questions. Um, ask them about unforgiveness issues. Ask them about bitterness issues in their life. Oftentimes people get stuck and they, um, they've actually allowed an inroad for a demonic stronghold in their life because of unforgiveness and bitterness that they've held on to. So as you minister to them in that area of unforgiveness and help them to obey Jesus by releasing forgiveness, as they release forgiveness, pray cleansing prayers over them. And so we just pray in the name of Jesus that this, uh, this stronghold will be broken over their life, that they would be cleansed by the blood of Jesus and every demonic influence would go in the name of Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? It just can be simple, calm prayers that are prayed to help them become free. Uh, but freedom is ours in Jesus' name, right? And so you should see a change in them. If you continue to see that manifestation uh, there, I would just continue to ask God for discernment as to what kinds of questions you might want to ask. There may be things that they've done in their past that they need to repent of and renounce. Maybe it was uh, something that they they did some kind of idol worship that they need to renounce that and say, I repent for my idolatry. I repent for bowing down. I repent for engaging and worshiping that. And I ask you to forgive me, Lord Jesus. And when they've prayed that prayer, then you come and you just pray that cleansing prayer over them. So we cast off every demon and every demonic stronghold from this person in Jesus' mighty name. And um, be cleansed, be made whole, be set free. So we, again, just simple prayers of faith um, that address those kinds of issues. Um, another thing I wanted to mention as I talk about this, and again, give me some feedback. Tell me what you're thinking. If you have follow-up questions about this, feel free to ask those. Uh, but another thing that we've found is... Um, Sometimes people unknowingly without realizing that certain things they've done or are doing have demonic attachments or demonic um, connections, maybe things like 
in the West, maybe playing uh, with a Ouija board or, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. Some of those kinds of things can at times have demonic connections for them. So ask them to just invite the Holy Spirit to shine his light on, is there anything? Ask, just tell them, ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there's anything that you've done that may have given a, um, an inroad or an opening for demonic um, attachment or engagement um, that, that the Holy Spirit's gonna show you that you need to repent of. So um, the Holy Spirit will show them and the Holy Spirit will show you as you pray those kinds of prayers. So, um, and at times, you know, I've uh, in a context where you have people from Hindu background, you may, Muslim background, they may have an amulet, they may have something that they have put trust in and faith in for their protection. So uh, you may need to talk to them about that and, you know, putting their protection and their trust for protection in Jesus and in his lordship over their life, his covering over their life, instead of putting their confidence in that charm or in that amulet or a uh, thing. And they may need to, you know, repent of putting their trust in that instead of in their, their creator, Jesus who loves them. And they may need to remove that. Um, you know, that's where we see in scripture that people remove their amulets, they remove their idols, sometimes they burned those things. Uh, in India, we've sometimes taken them to the river and put them in the river um, as a sign of just releasing those and releasing our trust and our hope in those things to protect and to shield or to help us in a way that God is supposed to help us, right? Instead of looking to those items or those things for protection. Okay, so uh, again, let me know what you're thinking. I see a few comments there. Um, I see some amens. Yeah, great. Amos watching from Paul. We've got Walter. Walter, where are you joining in? From? Um, and we've got some others here from Kenya. Dolly, good to have you here. Oh, Walter from Liberia, great, must be late there. Um, so those are some, uh, feel free to let me know if there's additional questions you have. But one other question that I wanted to be sure to talk about is after you prayed for someone and they've received deliverance, uh, sometimes you'll see a physical change. Sometimes when someone is being set free, they will vomit actually. Uh, that's fairly common. Don't be shocked by that. Um, but there may be no physical change that you observe. That doesn't mean they're not set free, okay? If you've prayed in faith, you can believe that they are free, right? And um, trust with them and thank God for that until you have evidence otherwise, right? So after they've been set free, what do you do next? And um, these are some things that, some tips that I'd like to give related to that. Um, after deliverance, there's four things that I want to encourage you to consider doing with someone. And the first one is to address the lordship and obedience issue. So if someone has manifested something demonic or they've been struggling with a stronghold of the mind and you've been ministering to them deliverance and they've received freedom, the next thing you want to do is encourage them to put their full heart and soul trust in Jesus and choose to become 
not just a believer, but a disciple who follows his ways in everything they do. So encourage them to take that step of obedience. If they have not yet been baptized, the first thing I would do is encourage them to take the step of water baptism, to obey Jesus by being baptized and making a public confession of their faith and trust in him. Right. So number one is obedience and lordship, including baptism. Number two is I would pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? We find that passage in Matthew 12, 44 to 46. And let me just uh, read that in the Message Bible. It says, when a defiling evil spirit is expelled from someone, it drifts along through the desert looking for an oasis, some unsuspecting soul. It can be devil. When it doesn't find anyone, it says, I'll go back to my old haunt. On returning, it finds the person spotlessly clean but vacant. It then runs out and rounds up seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all move in, whooping it up. That person ends up far worse off than if they'd never gotten cleaned up in the first place, right? So that passage in Matthew 12 is one that we need to remember as we're ministering deliverance to people is we need to get them filled up with Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. So I would then pray for the Holy Spirit to fill them. Um, as they take baptism, that's a great time to pray for just a powerful infilling of the Holy Spirit um, to come into their lives and in faith that they would receive that as well. The third thing I would say is teach them how to rebuke a demon or demonic presence if it returns, right? Um, there was a lady we were praying, Bengali lady we were praying for in India. She was gloriously set free. That very next night, she had a demonic dream. This this demon, this idol, you know, this uh, Hindu goddess came to her. Uh, Kali is the name of the goddess, goddess of death and destruction, came to her in a dream, threatened her and said, if you don't return to worshiping me, I'm going to kill your family. So she had this terrible demonic dream. And we had to teach her when you have a dream like that, this is what you do. You pray in the name of Jesus and you take authority over that. Just speak to it in the name of Jesus. You have to go. I am a child of the King of Kings and Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And in his name, I command you to leave. Okay, so you want to train them and teach them to command that demon to leave right? And um, equip them so they don't have to call you every time they have some sort of uh, encounter, which is fairly common, you know, with a demon that will try to reclaim its territory in the person's life. So yeah, I see a question here on Instagram. Does a person that has repented also need to renounce it? Um in my mind, uh, that's coming from, from Dana, in my mind, repentance and re renunciation are pretty similar. Um, you know, so yeah, I would say if they've repented, just include in repentance, you know, I'm, I ask forgiveness and I, I cut off every tie with this thing. So I guess, I guess my answer would be include it and combine those two together. But um, repentance, repentance is definitely the starting point. But if you find that they're still not experiencing freedom, go ahead and pray those renunciation prayers of cutting off ties 
um, canceling every tie that might be there in Jesus name, um, praying the blood of Jesus over that area of their life. And uh, yeah, continue to kind of press in. So renunciation is definitely an additional step, you know, that you could take with them, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's always necessary, you know, it's always needful. Uh, sometimes that prayer of repentance is, you know, it, it's enough. And um, so, yeah, there's no like textbook answers on some of these things. And yet there are some principles that we do find in scripture. So one last thing that I want to mention in what you do after deliverance, uh, the fourth thing is you want to pray cleansing prayers, right? So pray cleansing prayers over them and over yourself. When you engage in a deliverance kind of ministry with someone, um, at times that demonic spirit will try to attach itself to you as the now, this is not something you need to be fearful of, my friends. Uh, please don't take it that way. But it is wise to cleanse yourself spiritually after you've ministered to someone in the area of deliverance. So I don't do that usually in front of the person. But if I've ministered deliverance when I go home, I then say, now, Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you've done in so-and-so's life. I pray that you would also now cleanse me from every every possible attachment, every involvement that could be there. I pray that I would just be cleansed by your blood, that you would wash over me, Holy Spirit, and make me pure and holy. And any attachment between me and that person or me and those demonic spirits would just be cut off in your precious name. And I thank you for doing this for me in Jesus' name. So when you pray those cleansing prayers, it provides protection for you as the person ministering to them from any kind of demonic influence that could have inadvertently sort of come over onto you from them. Um, I do have a blog that I, where I have a copy of that prayer. And so I'm going to put that in the chat for you and you guys can take a look at that um, on my blog, or you can go to dmmsfrontiermissions.com slash blog type in deliverance and you'll get some of these things that I've been talking about plus that cleansing prayer there as well. So that's for you as a person praying for them. Um, you also want to encourage them to cleanse their life and cleanse their home from anything that has demonic attachments to it. Um, so for example, uh, if they, let's say they come from a Buddhist background, they're, maybe they're a young person, 20 years old, they're still living at home. Um, their parents are worshiping the statue of Buddha every, every day. They're worshiping the ancestors. Um, what I encourage people to do is cleanse what you have authority over, right? You have authority over your own body. You don't need to wear amulets, right? You have, you don't have to, uh, you know, remove all the amulets from your mother's, you know, room or her neck if she's not yet received Christ, right? So take authority over what you have authority over and, and cleanse yourself from anything that could have demonic attachment to it. Um, whenever we would move into a new house, like when here in Thailand, we move into a new new location or we're renting a house, we go room by room and we just pray cleansing prayers. Lord Jesus, we don't know what's happened here in this room, 
but we know that your spirit is now here and we pray the blood of Jesus will cover everything. We pray you'll wash this place and make it a temple for your Holy Spirit to dwell as you dwell in us, dwell in our home. And we go room by room and we just pray cleansing prayers. Every demon that had any authority in this place be gone in the name of Jesus. And I know that sounds kind of funny or maybe even for some of you weird or superstitious, but I've seen that demons attach to people and they attach to places, right? And so it doesn't hurt to go the extra mile, you know? And again, you don't have to make this big shouting match, but just go room by room. Or if you are, you know, a, a new believer and you're in, you only have one little bed that's yours, but in that place, just pray cleansing prayers that this would be a place where the Holy Spirit would dwell and every demonic power would have to leave in Jesus' name. So yes, cleansing your home is really important. And uh, when we haven't done that, or when I've had friends who haven't done that, living in a place where there's lots of demonic activity, idolatry, idol worship, ancestral worship, often we find that there will be some sort of kind of low-grade, suddenly you find yourself angry a lot, or suddenly you find yourself really having marital conflict that wasn't there before. Um, or, you know, your children start having bad dreams, or there might be sickness or something like that. So we've always found that it's really, really helpful to just proactively take authority over those things and cleanse our home and uh, remove anything that, you know, has any kind of demonic, um, that may be an inroad for the demonic there. Making disciples and sharing Jesus with those around you can be difficult. We need help to keep our faith alive as we step out to do new things. Faith to Move Mountains, stirring our faith to believe for movements among the unreached, is a 30-day devotional that will encourage your heart and build your faith. In it, I and my co-author, Kevin Sutter, share a scripture, a story, and a challenge each day from years of frontline experience working in tough places. Like I said, making disciples can be hard, progress is often slow, and breakthroughs seem distant. This devotional will kickstart your faith for a movement of disciples in your area. Grab a copy on Amazon.com today. All right, let's do a quick recap of what we've learned today in this Q&A. The first thing I talked about with deliverance and incorporating deliverance ministry into your disciple making efforts is normalize, normalize it. It is something that God has given every believer the power and authority to do. So don't make it something only for specialized people or exorcists. Every believer has the authority to cast out demons and to deal with demonic attack. Second thing we talked about was using the name of Jesus, praying simple prayers of faith as we lay hands on people and commanding the demons to go in Jesus' name. And then third, we said after deliverance, it's important to pray cleansing prayers over yourself and over that person and to teach them how to resist the enemy in Jesus' name if there's a re uh, another attack or something that comes 
against them in a dream or in some way they have another demonic account encounter, they won't have to call on you, but teach them to use the authority that they've been given so they can resist the enemy and he will flee from them. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com slash blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.